Hey everyone, this is Tony, Dungeon Master of D&D Raw. And before we begin, I just wanted to say, if you enjoy D&D Raw, we would love it if you would support us on Patreon to hear new exclusive content and updates before anyone else. By contributing as little as $1 per month, patrons enable us to dedicate more time to creating episodes. Our higher level patrons get access to DMs notes, outtakes from our episodes, and the chance to add an item, NPC, or encounter to a D&D Raw episode. We wanted to thank all of our Adventure Tier and Above patrons for their support this month. So thank you Jeremy Kleinhans, Grimfuse, Fen the Goblin, a Linux fan, and Feral Joe. To find out more about how you can join this list of outstanding people, go to patreon.com slash dndraw. If you're not able to support D&D Raw on Patreon, we would love it if you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Next week, we'll have Rumble Squad, Episode 18. And now, Serviceable Plots, Episode 18. Create holes in your person. With me today are the following players. Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'll be playing Belinda Walsingham, the Half-Elf Awakened Mystic. Hi, I'm Adam, and I will be playing Akiva Khonshu, the Shadar Kai Hexblade Warlock. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'll be playing Scrib Whitecliff, the Human Mastermind Rogue. Hi, I'm Giuseppe, and I'll be playing Valen Blackwater, an Azimar Monk Paladin. Last time, the party investigated the cave where they had discovered a dead body, only to find a prisoner there by the name of Ellen. Ellen explained that she had been kept here for some time and watched as a dragonborn conducted experiments on others in the creation of some sort of strange construct. Belinda also learned that there was someone here who could speak telepathically, just like she could, but the party knew that they would need to learn more and pressed on while having Zolas keep an eye on Ellen near the entrance of the cave. The party discovered several more bodies as well as the construct known as a Fellforge that had been created here. After eliminating the construct, the party searched the room, and as they did, an illusory wall vanished, revealing a dragonborn with a gun, and a strange psionic woman, who upon eyeing the party, called out to Belinda telepathically, and asked if she had sent her. It's okay, you can trust me. Did she send you? Who is she? If she did not send you, then who are you? You have power. As do you. You do not work with the Whispered Ones, correct? Absolutely not. Allow me to leave here with him. Trust me. My intention is to go up the chain. But I need to be a part of this group. He needs to trust me. How do I sell it? Why did you come in here? I heard someone scream. (laughs) That is all? Why do you look like a tiefling? We were working a job. I have no idea what this is about. He is cleaning up. Okay. We can leave. He has not met faithfulness. If that was what you are trying. By the way, someone else will have to talk because I'm going to be out for a little bit. How long of a gap is... It's not very long, but... It's noticeable. Yeah. If I notice it, can I just kind of be like, so what is that you're pointing at us, by the way? This is a gun. What's a gun? It will create holes in your person. So it's a weapon. A loud one. A newer design. Would you mind not pointing that at us then? I don't know you. And Isvel seems to be taking some time in studying you. I mean, we're obviously complex beings. I don't know how long it takes to study us. Isvel pipes in about at that point. Faithfulness, why did you not simply explain that you were more curious when you dropped off the relic? 
I didn't want to seem unprofessional, but I kind of just wanted to know what's going on, and there seemed to be some commotion, so I just couldn't help myself, and these guys I hired to help me out, they just wanted to see what was happening, and we got carried away. You know what happens, but we're, we're really committed to the mission. DM insight check to figure out rough idea that we're still on mission. Insight check. That's a 25. I will try to strike a faithfulness-like posture. Just to help sell it, I will uh, just put on my best angry face. And your construct charges me and my charge. I'm just doing my job trying to keep everyone safe here. You need to keep these things on a leash. Belinda, I would like a deception check with advantage. It's a 22. (laughs) Okay. It seems like you have done my job for me. I was intending to eliminate the experiment before we left. Thank you. I'll add a bonus to your payment. It's like you read my mind. At this, he looks at his Vel, holsters the pistol. Vel, faithfulness. You have wanted to continue up the ranks, I suppose. Absolutely. Svel, I believe we have potion around that can be a good bonus to faithfulness. He turns back to you. I assume you remember where your payment is and kind of just stares at you. Absolutely. Why would I not remember? I believe in the cause, but I also like to get paid. You brought together an interesting crew. You can trust them. As long as they're getting paid. He looks to Esvel for a moment, and you hear again in your head, Belinda. Just so you know, he is essentially asking me to ask you, are you prepared to eliminate your crew? Tell him if need be, but I don't like to be wasteful. Do I need to roll? Because my passive insight is nine. If not for the fact that everyone is jumping on, so you're okay. Scriff, there's a brief moment you kind of notice a slight smile from the blue-green skinned woman. It's not sinister, but it's more like she was slightly amused by something. Okay. I hang out with Belinda a lot. I get that smile a lot from her. The enigmatic amusement smile. Esvel turns to the dragonborn. We should probably finish up and get going. I will remain and give the potion to Faithfulness and her crew. Dragonborn nods. You know where to meet up with me. Looks at the rest of you. Faithfulness, I will see about increasing your position within our order. It's much appreciated. Good work, Spawn. And he will turn and you see him go out of sight. Out the way we came in? Nope. Okay. He kind of proceeds deeper into the room and goes kind of around. You You guys see like it's an opening into a room and he starts to proceed off to the side and he just keeps going till you can't see him anymore. I'm just making sure he doesn't go back to where Ellen is because the moment he detects that the person he left chained up is no longer there. Yeah, it is not eliminated. Yes. A few moments pass. You see Esvel turn around and she goes to what seems like might be a table off in the corner, comes back with a small potion and she hops down and lands softly on the ground, waits another moment, and then presents you with a small potion that has kind of a yellow fluid with streaked with black swirls and comes up to you, Belinda. My apologies. And this she says out loud. Okay, cool. He is far enough away now that we can actually speak freely Uh, and hands over this vial to you. What is going on? It is a potion of speed in case you ever need it. Oh, I will hand that to Scriv for now. Okay. Esvel? So you're not part of her organization. No. You don't work for Tsaria. No. I don't usually 
like to just announce my ignorance, but we don't know what's going on here. Some time ago, I infiltrated the Whispered Ones. I have been trying to climb up their ranks, quietly, discreetly, so I can get to their leadership and eliminate him or at least point out who he is back to the other psionics. Others what? So we're just letting him go. I can meet up with him, but if I go without him, I will be killed. So you've been undercover for a while? It has been some time. I have actually not seen Saria in over a year. I have to confess, I know the name, but I knew nothing of this. I'm surprised you trust us to tell us anything. You are a psionic. There's no way a psionic would work with the Whispered Ones. I trust this. Where do you get your power from? I assumed from the experiments they performed on my ancestor. Blue green skin? World nature. 20. She's a water genasi. Oh. I am disengaging from the conversation. I just like to gather as many more details as I can about this fellow forged. And I do not trust any sort of extra government organization that's taking matters into their own hands. Esvel, what do you call your organization? I suppose the closest name would be... I mean, we're, we're sorry as people. It's not a big organization. It's kept fairly quiet. I can see why. You're making sacrifices to achieve some end that people know nothing about. Most people know that the Whispered Ones exist. However, most people assume they are gone. Saria never trusted that they would all be gone. Not unless we can find their true leadership. They are splinter cells. Individual clusters. However, the leader of each one reports to one above him. I mean, that makes sense. But what you're asking of us is simply to walk away. For now, I can get back in contact with you. But yes... I am asking you to walk away. If need be, if I get to a point where I can go above him, I will point you where he is, and you can eliminate him personally if you wish. I hate this. It is not an easy choice to make. But would you rather eliminate a small evil now to allow a greater evil to do more, or try and get to the great evil and eliminate it for good? It does seem that if we let this happen, it is for the greater good. That is the choice that I am asking you to make. If you eliminate him, I can do what I can to try and maintain my position. You're asking us to take a lot of faith and on your word? Assuming that she doesn't get caught, and assuming that this continues. If I leave here with him, I will be fine. If I leave here without him, that is up for debate. From what she said, it seems like she's been at this for over a year, so it seems she's more than capable at the very least, Griv. I look at Belinda, do you trust her? I haven't been any, re- any reason to trust her or not trust her. Esvel, I want to use an ability on you. I need to know. You see, she pauses, closes her eyes for a moment. I have lowered my defenses. Feel free. Raise my eyebrow to that. So, Tony, I was going to use my forceful query. I'm assuming she can choose not to save. She is choosing not to save. I'm just going to say, is everything you said true? Yes. Well, that was easy. Everyone, this is a complex issue for me. <laughs> I could make this a decision for myself, but I can't make this decision for everyone. Esvel, I trust that what you have said is true, but we don't have any information to know what the consequences of making this choice will be. I am asking you to take a loss on faith. If you do decide to go after him, I will help you eliminate him to make sure he does not escape. However, that will put me in a dangerous position with the Whispered Ones. And they are a threat. They are a big, wide threat. More than most people know. I'm sure if your dad knows about them, it's gotta be something really serious. I know enough about their organization to know that they have different levels, different positions. I am trying to get to the voice. Whoever the voice of the Whispered Ones are leads them, commands the others. Do you have anyone in Orenthal that you would like to send a report to? We're heading in, and I'm of the mind that this would be the most pointless 
waste of your time, given that you had the drop on us if you were trying to fool us. I'm willing to believe you. If you'd like to send a message to anyone to help keep your cover, I'm willing to take it. And if not, I'm personally going to take my leave to go check on the captive. Not in Ornithal. In Asentheus? No. There is a monastery outside of Ornithal. There is a single person there. The leader of the monastery. The monastery of Kakos. Kakos. Yes. They are a Kensei monastery. Scriv, you recognize it. It is where you trained. What? The master there will be able to get a message to Saria and her people. Perfect. Shall we say anything specific or simply that you remain well and are rising the ranks? Simply say, Esvel is fine. Done. They will understand the rest. I'll extend my hand. She shakes it. I'm going to turn to Scriv and say, are you okay with this? I hate it, but I have no reason to stop it. I'm sorry. I'd like to talk afterwards. Yeah. I'm going to walk back and make sure that Zolus is doing fine. Alright, well, Esvel, it sounds like we're in your corner. Thank you. Normally I would ask for your names, however I believe that would be a danger to you, so for now I will not. Would it be useful to know a name? Because I'm easy to spot and a lot of people already know it. We can keep everyone else anonymous and if you need to track us down, you can use me. If you're comfortable with that, otherwise I will not tell you who I am. Very well. One name. Valen Blackwater. Very well. Valen Blackwater. I'm not a real handshaker unless necessary, so... She gives you the nod of acknowledgement. I'm just gonna say, I wish you well. And you. If I find anything, I will send it your way as well if you wish to deal with it. I guess you know how to find Valen, so... Yes. We'll see what happens. Best of luck to all of you. You should go get the payment that was promised to faithfulness. Well, I wouldn't want her to not pick it up. That would be highly suspicious. Also, I'm curious how much it is. A hundred gold, just to go inspect some ruins. Too bad they're evil. They seem to do rather well. They lie and cheat and steal. They find ways to make their money. Yeah. Usually they're the ones doing the infiltrating. We decided to turn things on them. And she has a slight smirk. I can respect that. She kind of looks to where Scriv and Valen had left. Tell him I do not like this either. I do not enjoy doing this. I can understand making sacrifices to protect people. She nods. All right, Akiva, I think we'll go see how they're doing. Hmm? I'll just kind of wave. Bye. Good luck. Goodbye. You are a strange one. Just staring at Akiva. You don't know that. I've been told that before. Let's go. And she will turn and start to head back. I think we have some conversations we had, but we probably don't want to have them in that front cavern. So I assume we would retreat. I mean, is there anything of note when we get to Ellen and Zolas? So when you get to the front area, you don't initially see them. But after you arrive there, you kind of see a couple of rocks shift and move. And Zolas comes out followed right behind him is Ella. Hey, nice disguise. Yeah, thanks. Thought it'd be better to tuck away just in case. No, smart. Some things happened. I think we should debrief not here. All right, sounds good. Real quick, I'd like to go kneel in front of Ellen and just look her in the eyes and just go, that thing is gone, and I want you to know that. Okay, thank you. Can I double check the cage with the false bottom? Yeah, it looks like the bottom's been shifted. Okay, can I lift it, or? There is a ladder that descends down for like 10 feet, and then a path that goes straight for a bit before curving up and around, it looks like. Can I assume that this is the path that they took? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Move it back and then join the others. Okay. So, do you guys all leave the cavern? I don't think we want to stay and ransack the place because that would be very suspicious. We should just leave. But guys, we do need to hide Ellen if they happen to be watching us leave because she is, you know, not supposed to be saved right now. Zolus takes off his hat and puts it on her head and pulls out his old crocodile skin coat and drapes around her so it's oversized. We still have an extra person. You have two. 
I suppose we'll just go with this, make our way out. Okay. When you do walk out of the cavern, the package that had the crystal that you left at the front is gone. Okay. Cool. So by the way, that life split I have, I can cast Cure Wounds, I think, three times a day. Three times a day. So does anyone want a heal? I would love that. Okay, great. Nine points of healing. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So you heal Valen up a bit using the, the life's blade dagger. Anyone else? Do we know how Ellen is? I know Valen healed her. Is she good? She doesn't look particularly injured. It's the exhaustion. I just wanted to make sure her wrists weren't going to get all gangrenous. No, they definitely like healed up. So when you had done your healing hands, the old scrapes and scars kind of started to close up. I think the only other people that got damaged were you and me. And I'm only missing like three health. I'm only missing three. All right. So you guys are outside the cave. You healed Valen up a bit. I assume we have retreated to sort of that like spot we had established before to watch the cave. So we're not literally hovering at the scene of the crime. Before we get out of the cave, I have seen the reaction she had with the dragonborn. I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to let Lazarus go back to his pocket dimension. Smart move. So snap your fingers. Lazarus is gone. Can we load Ellen on the cart? I think that's probably the best way. Ellen, would you like to just sleep? We'll make sure you're protected. Yeah, thank you. She seems like visibly much more relaxed, especially after telling her that it's been taken care of. Well, we need to head to pick up our payment. It's possible we might be seen while we go to pick that up, but I think it's unlikely. So I I suppose we could just get on the road. Did we want to talk before we leave? We can always talk during. Okay. So you're going to walk and talk? Yeah. Zolas will hop onto the cart with Ellen. You see, Zolas kind of like lets her use his coat as like kind of a blanket and- He does the cleric thing and takes care of her. He's just being kind. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. He is saying prayers to Vumera as she's going to sleep. All right. So we are on the road. We are walking. You guys don't have any issue. You go, you're able to find a small bag that's kind of tucked away with a hundred gold pieces in it. Sweet. That brings up our party loot to a nice comfy total where we could actually buy things besides literally just food and trinkets. Three potions. Yeah. (laughs) We might know someone who can give us some healing potions in Orenthal. So you guys are on the road. We still have a few days before you hit Orenthal. So So do you guys want to talk about it? We made a decision. I don't see what the point in talking about it is. We made a short-term decision that affects something long-term, but we could always readdress it if we had any new information. What made you trust her, finally? Just asking her a question and taking it at face value? Part of what I can do is I could ask someone a pointed question. If it has a yes or no answer, I not always, but if I know that they're being honest, I know for sure. I don't know how else to articulate it beyond it's a certainty and it's... I mean, but you can lie. If they're the same as you, you can... She said mental defenses. Do you have some sort of mental defense that she could also have? Like, how do you not know that she just bluffed you? That we're not just being led astray? I wouldn't say it was based on anything she said or did. It's... I literally could see the truth in her mind because she let me. I don't know how else to explain it. It's, I know it's not normal, but she was telling the truth. I'm sorry, I can't give you more than that. I can't give you any evidence beyond that certainty. Is this an open conversation? Yeah, everybody's here. We're all here. We're all walking and talking. Ellen's asleep. Yeah. Scrib, would it help ground things more in something we can understand if you think about it from a perspective of what she would be gaining by lying? They had the drop on us. This woman had no reason to invent a story to try and get out of there. We didn't even know they were there. They could have just left. But I guess, Griv, are you more worried not that she was lying, but she was telling the truth and we've just committed to something terrible? We're complicit now in whatever they do. All the people that he winds up killing while she builds her way towards the top of that food chain is on us. I don't know that's necessarily true. People are responsible for their own actions. 
she was taking on a risk and willing to make sacrifices to achieve something that would have an enormous impact on so many people. A greater degree of safety for people everywhere. Yeah. If she manages to pull it off. If it succeeds. Yeah. What are the standards by which you decide whether or not someone needs to be put down, Scriff? I don't know. I've never had to kill anyone. Well, that was the choice that we were effectively being presented. I know, and I just backed off again. I just left it in your hands. I don't think that's true. Didn't I? I looked at you. I trusted your judgment. I let you make the final decision, and I walked away. Again. I'm sorry if that's how it feels like it played out. You can't always have confidence in every decision you make. Sometimes you just make the best call you can and you move forward. And it seemed like in that moment, based on what we knew and what we would like to see the world be like, we made the best decision we could. We were under duress. He had that gun thing, and then she was reading our minds. Like, she had all the cards and he had all the power. We could have tried to assault them and to fight, even if we had come to that decision, but it would have been at a cost. Well, if we'd fought them... What if we'd been killed, then what, that leaves Zolas and Ellen with no one? Exactly. Part of the frustration, I guess, is that they had the drop on us. You're absolutely right. They could have just walked away. But we made a choice in not doing anything. And that was because we were unprepared. Everything's about context. I think we made the best call we could. And I don't regret it. And I don't know if that will always be true. But right now, all we can ever do is move forward. I don't know if it will help you at all, Scriv, but tonight by the fire... I would like to sit down with you and tell you something about the nature of my goddess and her role in the world, because I think that her existence actually will help contextualize the sort of decision we just made, because every fiend that is on these planes is one that technically got by her, and that has theological implications that, over the years have had to have been worked through. And I think maybe if a god can't be perfect, it will help make you feel better about your inability to control this situation. Maybe. But there is something that I can do. Belinda, mm-hmm. is there a way that you can train me the same way that Valen has? Just like, I don't know, help me build up these defenses that she was talking about that kept you from reading her mind. Defenses that you probably have that keep her from reading your mind. Is there anything that I can do to not be so useless when faced with this. I'd never trained anyone like this before, but I will do what I can to teach you how I think and how that keeps me moving forward and keeps things out because I know sometimes it's the best you can do is just act when you need to and sometimes restrain yourself and don't act. Yeah, we'll do some lessons. I'll figure out how to how to share with you. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Akiva, you okay? Yeah, I mean, from the situation, it sounded like this was a lot more almost personal investment for you, Belinda. So I mostly wanted to leave this up to your discretion. I view it as, well, yes, I understand there's going to be losses, but there will always be losses. And that's just a natural part of life. But if it's furthering towards the greater good, like Scriv, you and I, we've played Cataclysm quite a few times now. Yeah. There have been times where you've had to sacrifice pieces to win the overall game. I see where you're going with this and I don't like it. But death is not the end. And while death, it can be mourned, it's not a bad thing. But... What justification do you have for that now? For death? Maybe when Neslim was around, if Neslim is still around. But now, when you die, what if that's it? I guess it comes down to having faith. We have no clue if Neslim is gone yet. We haven't been proven otherwise. So I take it in stride that people's souls are still moving on to the proper plane they're supposed to. 
I'm not going to use that as a justification for sacrificing people for the greater good. I'm not going to make the world a big game board. No, I don't think you should. I was just trying to present an example. It's a tricky situation. I get that. And I think it's the best we can do to try and get the overall best outcome. We're all just trying to make sense of the world and be the best we can in every situation. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. I don't know if we were right or wrong. I like to think we made the right choice. I feel that we made the right choice. But, you know, Zolas and Ellen, they're both here. They're both alive because of the choices we've made. And that's worth a lot. Yeah. Okay. So you guys press on for the remainder of the day, are able to find a place to camp. You guys have about five more days before you reach Orenthal. Is there anything along the way that you guys would like to talk about or do? I would probably ask Belinda to double check the direction of the fake gem that we dropped off because she liked a psychic sensor probe. Yes, whatever. that was going to follow up on that, Tony. Do we get a ping and do I get to see anything? We did, by the way, I put the sensor on the package. On the bag, not on the gem. On the yeah. gem, yeah. All right, so you learn its distance and direction from you, and then your perception you can see from its perspective. Yes. As if you were there. All right, it is northeast of where you are, sort of towards the very general direction of the Thessalon Kingdom. Interesting. But the Thessalon Kingdom is, like, weeks away. Yeah. Considering travel, they are a little over a day's travel from you. Okay. But that's just the concept essentially being you were traveling one direction and they're traveling the almost opposite direction. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Do I see anything? Yes. So you are at a grove of trees. You're kind of like on the ground. You see Esvel and the white dragonborn. Seems to be writing in a, a book as Esvel is there. And Esvel seems to be like not quite meditating, but definitely like focused in thought after a moment or two. The dragonborn kind of looks up. Well, that was the most successful experiment so far. I'll have to see how faithfulness does, I suppose. Maybe get in touch with her again. It's a shame the crystal is cracked. We might still be able to learn more from it. I need to get in touch with a thought again. Esvel speaks in. Well, more likely than not, it will be easier to get in touch with one of the memories. There is one we could probably reach within a day or two. Is it not in Shorten's Ridge? Yes, not a particular fan of that one. But he might know more about how these crystals are able to pull souls the way they're supposed to. Ever since that divine power was lost, our experiments have been more successful. And because of that, we were able to create the Felford. If we can continue going, find out maybe how the crystals could pull souls, we could learn how the machinery works and make what we need. Well, you know I am simply here to deal with any threats to you. I will continue to do so, to the best of my abilities. Yeah. Go back to your meditations. I need to think. How long does this last for? It's supposed to be short, but I, essentially you can keep pinging it. So we'll say for the sake of it, like you just kept pinging. Yeah, basically. Maybe there were some drops in the call, but I don't want to be greedy. <laughs> all right, I will share all of this with the party. In addition, I will share when Ellen is not around the information about Branham. So we're just going to say we exposition dump everything. So thoughts and memories are what? Their organizational structure? Yeah, I think so. Because it sounded like at the top is the voice from what Esvel said. So it seems like a very pretentious naming structure. And these locations that are named? 
Chorton's Ridge is a town located off of a river, almost straight north from Aspenbrook, about a little over a 10 day away. Okay. We do have a bit of a faithfulness problem we've created. Apparently, we have now, you know, helped her advance and move up the regs, and she's, you know... Currently in prison. Yes. I don't know how we want to handle that, among all of these other things. we got to get a message back to Veripol. Yeah. I know we could definitely send one from Warrenthal and have someone take it back quickly. At some point, Tony, during our montage of travel, I would talk to Ellen and suggest that we could take her to the Temple of Adar, where they would be able to help her get back on her feet. I was planning on giving her 10 gold from my share of the 100 gold, and then arranging for a caravan to take her back home. It sounded like she didn't really have a proper home. She says, I don't, I lived in Hosburg, but I didn't really have a place to stay. Okay, then I'll probably use like my share of the gold and set up a trust with the Church of Adar and paying for her housing and doing all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with the head cleric of, of the Temple of Adar in Orenthal, and I know she would be so happy to help you get your life back on track and recover from this. Thank you. So, you have five days before you reach Orenthal. As you guys are traveling along, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys doing montage-wise? So, during the fight, did anyone else see a momentary change in Akiva visually? What are you talking about? I was not going to say anything, but yes. I simply assumed it was a side effect of using his power. Were you aware of this, Akiva? So what is this? You know how you've shared your memories of your conversations with Umbra with me? Yes. You took on his appearance briefly after that one strike. I'm sorry, what? Like your hair changed entirely for a moment. Okay. Did he look particularly gleeful at taking that killing blow? No, actually just straight-faced. Okay. Oh, better. Very unakiva-like. Emotionless. Okay. Yeah. This is new information. I thought you should know if you weren't aware of it already. I don't know. No. I mean, it could just be what Valen said, and it's just some sort of visual indicator. It's possible. A visual indicator that has never shown itself before? Yeah, that is concerning, isn't it? That was the first time I've seen him use that much power. This is true. That was the first time I've ever done anything like that. My perspective here may be skewed. One, I am close to Akiva, and two, I explode into a beacon of light occasionally. Weird things happen with me. I will say, it wasn't one of the situations where it was previously where I blacked out for a second. I knew exactly what was happening, so I don't think, as I hope, it's nothing to worry about. But I would say keep an eye on me. Yeah, I'm already, like, at maximum worry levels, so, you know, it's not really gonna get any worse. Yeah. Can try and talk to him about it later? I don't know if that's necessary. I would recommend... Ah, what does it matter? I think he sees and hears everything you do anyways. Yeah. So, you know, I want to make sure you were aware so you have as much of an idea of what's going on as you possibly can. I really do appreciate that. This is all very new territory. Well, don't worry. It's only like number three on the list of crises we're dealing with, so... There's been a couple. Yeah. But I mean, I'd say we're handling them pretty well. Sure. The best we can, at least. We're doing our best. It's all anyone can ask for. And you know what? We'll get to Orenthal. We'll see some people. Get Zolus where he needs to go. So can I just say I'm getting really excited about seeing this giant city you guys keep talking about? It really is something. There's going to be a lot of people. We'll probably have to wait in a queue to get in. That's pretty standard. So as we mentioned before, Akiva, I think we had a conversation about what to say and not to say in Orenthal. I wouldn't bring up the banishment from the Shadowfell. Right. And I'm not supposed to have my mask off unless told otherwise. 
Since you are a street magician, which is true. I am. Yeah. I mean, Valen, I know you've been there before. You can give him additional guidance as needed. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. The good news is there's a lot of people, so hopefully we'll just blend right in and go about our business and see a few folks find Ellen her place. We have to make a stop at that monastery that she was talking about, right? Yeah. Tony, that's north of Morenthal, correct? Yes. So that's not on the way? It's a northwest. You're coming from the east. Yeah. So it's not on the way. Okay, so we could do that afterwards then. Well, if we did end up going to Solana after Orenthal, I think that we would go by there. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of which, have I gotten a missive from the Academy yet? Horjin! I was waiting for you guys to do your thing first. Okay. Anything further on said thing? The only other thing is that I would like our resident magic, psionic, and divine spellcasters to, uh, I want to put our best minds on this cracked gem that I took from the armor. As far as I know, this is a rock. It did not have any archaeological significance. No, I would like to hear from our subject matter experts in this matter. Can I examine it for any runes or... Yeah, I will study it for magic or psionic imprints. Arcana checks? 19. 18. You do see partial runes, but again, the gem is cracked. So the magic that was inside seemed to be of some sort of necrotic magic in nature. Beyond that, it's definitely inert. Okay. It definitely seems like this is in line with the crystals they keep referring to that they are using. In their experiments. In their experiments that are powered by souls. So it's similar to the stone that we made a copy of. Similar to the stone that was shattered in that one room with the Eye of Adar. It seems likely. We don't know for sure, but... So is it possible that they're trying to make a duplicate of this gem? It seems like if they could just make them on their own, they wouldn't be obsessed with gathering ones that already exist, right? Unless they want to mass produce them and they're looking for a copy to work off of. That's also cool. It could be a template. Which makes me wonder all the more what this artifact is. If the gem that we found is supposed to fit into the amulet, then... Alright, I know someone in Orenthal who's kind of an expert on all things magical. I really didn't want to ask for his help, though. Do you owe him a favor or something? No, but we would if we asked for his help. I mean, I really want to know what this thing is. I'm willing to go all the way to Solana for it, for goodness sake. Okay. I don't know what his price will be, but his help always comes with a price. We can go find out. Let me hear back from that guy at the Academy first, though. That's a good idea. So, about a day before you are supposed to arrive in Orenthal, Scriv, you hear a voice in your head. Amulet from before barbaric age. Ten thousand more years old only found one name in research zamyar maybe thessuns or salonians no more thessuns the dwarves oh okay ten thousand years before the age of barbarians are you kidding me it sounds absurd but horgen knows his stuff so i'm reaching into my bag i'm looking for my big old book of collected timelines. I could ask Umbra anything about this considering he says he's older than a lot of the gods. No. That's fine. I can't trust this being based on their word alone. If they have any further evidence of being older than the gods, I would reconsider. That's fine. I wanted to put it to the group. We'll say not now. (laughs) Okay. So you're reviewing the time periods of the world? Yeah. Roll a general history check for me. Can I help? Yes. 16. Okay. With your combined knowledge, you know that essentially there was a time period in the world that is just known as the age of nothingness before anything began. Okay. After that, 
came to be known as the Aeon of the Gods, which is the idea that the gods came into being and began the creation of the world and wound up at some point warring amongst each other. And we have no archaeological record for that. No, it is some point in the past. This is a lot of it is also some a little bit of religious connotation to it and myth. After that, there is a time period called the Rebirth Ages, and this is when giants and dragons began to establish empires throughout the world. Okay. After this, they nearly wiped each other out. It's simply known as the Giant Wars. Is there an archaeological record for this? Yeah, it's 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 difficult to determine a time period, but it's tens of thousands of years ago. But there there is evidence that it there occurred. is evidence. Okay. This is the first point that there is some sort of evidence of something. Part of the problem and part of the reason that the rebirth ages are unknown is because these giant wars wiped out so much. Okay. After this, humanity began to develop. And different humanoids started to establish their own tribes and some established kingdoms. But there was a split between a few of the tribes, establishing the Drow and the Duragar as separate races that went underground, among a few others, uh, known as the Age of Separation. But I'm more familiar with it because I grew up among dwarven ruins. I know at least the story of that. Split. You know the stories of this. There's not a lot on this time. Okay, and then after? The Barbaric Age, the reason is because there was just so much fighting, and it just lasted a very long time overall, and wound up destroying a lot of archaeological evidence of what happened in the past. It is during this time that a lot of other major settlements towards the end of this period began to rise up, which eventually came into what is known as the Time of Peace, which is where these wars were ending, where humanoid settlements such as the Vremer Empire started. That only goes back about 500 years. Okay. And then after that is the modern age with- Then there's the Cataclysm, which kind of separates the Time of Peace from the current age. And the Cataclysm started about 160 years before. Then that means that this amulet is from the Age of Separation. Or earlier, even, possibly. Okay, so it's an amulet that links up with a gem that may or may not be powered by souls, that comes from the time where Drow and Duragar and elves and dwarves made their battle lines. Yes, we also know that the Whispered Ones are looking for some sort of machinery. It sounds like they might try to mass-produce those Felforged, if they're able to find a copy of the gem to use as a template, and then they could have an army. Well, it does seem like their design is not perfected yet either of the Felforged itself, so it seems like this is maybe a more successful version, but there might have been a lot of previous versions, and there might be even more to come. And especially if what you said was true, which is that their experiments had been succeeding more now that the gods have kind of taken a hands-off approach. You know, I kind of thought the gods being absent, or many of the gods being absent, was already sort of a worst-case scenario where everything was terrible. So it's nice to know it, it can be worse. That provides a sort of reassurance about the world. Yeah, I guess that's a way to look at it. But we still don't know what these runes are, referring back to the crystal that I took from the Felforged, specifically. Language, magical origin, the like. We just know that it's necrotic and that it's tied to some sort of soul magic thing. Yeah. Is there anything in the historical record about someone working with this sort of thing? Like giants that had temples dedicated to mass sacrifices of souls or something? Or Not anything I'm familiar with. So is there anything else we need to montage beyond, I guess, at some point training? Nothing from me. Yeah, I figured we were all just focused on script training. Forget everything else. Let's focus on the script training. Something where we know what we're doing is good. 
Okay. Ellen does eventually get out of her exhaustion and she is feeling more chipper. But as you guys awaken on the morning that you are to arrive in Orenthal, as you approach, you see around the city are acres of lush farmland, well-tended and immaculate. The dirt road is well-trodden but carefully maintained, and as you approach, the road transitions to sturdy cobblestone. The thick stone wall of the city rises up to meet you, and you can see the age of the walls with different types of stone patchworked from visible repairs. Guards in silver and red march in formation along the top, a visible display of the structure and order of the empire. And past the wall, you can see the tops of the massive round towers of the Adamantine Palace as it catches the sun. Ahead lies the large stone gates, currently open with a queue for visitors. People from all walks of life wait to be checked in. Caravans with goods to sell, sell swords looking for work, and you even glimpse a noble's carriage pulled by the finest steeds in the line. You guys approach the city gates, where a guard pulls you aside, and he asks to see all of your paperwork. I am focusing on palming a coin to not focus on the large crowd of people. Scriv, there are more people just beyond the gate than you have ever seen in one place in your life. So I will hand over the papers calmly and say, good day. The tabaxi woman guard kind of looks it over. Is there anything that you need to inform us of as you enter the city? Ah, you are from here. And she looks up at you. Yeah, returning home for a visit. Looks at the name. Ah, any relation to the good general? Proud to say yes. Excellent. And these are your compatriots? Yes, yeah, we're all returning. Going to see my parents. You do not have papers for the little one. And I'll sort of like take her aside and be like, I'm afraid she's just a young girl who seems to have run away from home and isn't on her feet right now. We're, we're going to take her to the Temple of Adar so they can help her out. Give me a persuasion roll real quick. Oh, the natural Twenty-five. All right. Everything else seems to be in order. And then you have, and she points to Akiva, and he is a worshiper of Nezalim on a pilgrimage to the temple here, correct? Yes. He also does a bit of street magic. Well, today is an interesting day if he wishes to make money. Is it a festival day? You're looking past and you do see like a ton of people out in the streets and there are, there's music playing. So it is the festival of Astalta, a feast to Arleos. So you can't see too much from where you're at, but you can definitely hear lots of cheers and lots of things going on just out of view. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been traveling for a while, so I lost track of the day. How exciting. Yes. Hopefully you enjoy yourselves and, uh, and she hands the papers back and welcome home, Ms. Walsingham. Thank you. So, you have arrived in Orenthal, particularly in the Helder Market District, one of the biggest shopping districts in the entire city. Do I see Scriv freaking out? Scriv, make a wisdom save. Can I roll a sleight of hand to perhaps get advantage on that wisdom saving throw? You know what? Roll a sleight of hand to see how well you're palming that coin. Crit fail. Flat roll. That is a 19. So, the coin falls... Valen, you did notice, like, a coin just kind of clatter to the ground and get lost in the shuffle of feet. So Scriv was probably using that to keep calm. He looks okay, but he was probably using that to keep calm. You want to sit on the back of the cart? Maybe not have to uh, focus so hard on the coin and also try to watch the people? Yes. We were going to go straight to the Temple of Adar. Do you need a break before that? Because we could go to my place. No, we need to go to Adar first. If we're going to drop off. Yeah. 
So the Temple to Adar is not far from your place, just so you're aware. So this particular district is filled with shops, taverns, inns, a catered to most of the people in the city. You see solid stone structures with low slanted roofs being the common design here, and small windows that allow a good amount of daylight in most of the buildings. However, it is packed with people moving in and out of shops and moving around about the streets. How about we go to my place? I think that would be good to have a, a reprieve. Did somebody say something about a festival? And then we can evaluate how we will engage with the festival. You guys can be Henrietta. Who? Oh, she's the shopkeeper. I live over her shop. Oh, shoot. Oh. Maybe we shouldn't meet Henrietta. Let's go to the Temple of Adar. Telepathically, I'm going to say the group. Henrietta is a dragonborn. Okay. Oh, oh. And we will go to the Temple of Adar first. Oh, right. Yes. So I'll say, Ellen, you know, let's take you to the Temple of Adar and we'll, we'll help you get settled there. And, and you can meet Catherine, who's the head cleric. Okay. Sorry, there's all this fuss. So as you guys are moving through, you hear cheers coming from different taverns. Actually, out in the centralized area, you notice several different games, mostly related to competition, combat skills. Scriv, you even notice several different tables set up by another massive stone wall that surrounds the area where the Adamantine Palace is. Several tables that have lots of different tiles on them. And it seems to be setting up for some sort of cataclysm competition. I want to do that. Scriv, why don't we come back later after we've handled some of our business and you can uh, test your skills. That'd be nice. Can we please just get to the Church of Adar? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Scriv notices at some point that there seems to be some sort of wooden sword and shield competition. There's definitely some sort of like wrestling match going on. Lots of skill in combat type of competition. Guys, I love this place. On the balance, it's going well. Akiva, maximum happiness, Scriv, pretty much as miserable as you can be with a hope of cataclysm in the future. So take that as a win. So you are headed towards the Gold Petal Gardens district, which is on the opposite side of the city. Yeah, I will try to take the most circuitous route possible if it avoids the throngs of festival goers. Okay, as you are making your way through, you do pass by the northernmost district, the Iron Fist district, which is a primarily dwarven district. So there is a lot of noise coming from that area. Oh, shoot. Mostly cheers and, and hurrahs and the like. But they're all drunk. No, no, they're dwarves. They're not drunk yet. Continuing on, you do pass by the Debris District, which is one of the wealthiest districts in the city without having a lot of nobility actually in the area. But you don't see as many people here. It's a little bit quieter passing through. We're going right by? Yes. Okay, fine. Why? Because there's a place I can visit, the Debris District. I probably should. Are you going to? Yeah. Okay. I will prepare everyone. Since we're going right through the Debris District... And you seem like you all might want a quick break, except Akiva. We could go stop by my father's shop. Father's shop? Yeah, he's a butcher. Do we finally get to learn about Belinda? I mean, he's not the chattiest person, but I think he'll be welcoming and perhaps you could get something to eat and it will be quiet. He likes it quiet. Please. All right. So we are going to look for the sign for the, uh, the honing steel. So, the Daysbury's District is a well-maintained structure over the entire area. Very intricately designed. Everything here definitely looks like they spent some coin on it. It is home to also what is the most prestigious library and magical academy in the Vremer Empire, Zoxiara's Academy of the Arcane, which has a wealth of knowledge and trains what are considered some of the most accomplished wizards in the land. 
So it's sort of off the beaten path, not on a major street, but on a side street. It's a small, well-kept stone shop. You notice the stairs are incredibly clean. There's a simple sign that says the honing steel. No symbol, no affectation. It just seems very straightforward and maybe not the most inviting place. It looks like the sort of shop you go to if you already know it's there. But it definitely appears to be open and not full of people. Like, it just looks quiet. So I think we will make our way in. Okay. And I will say quickly to the party, I'm sorry, I didn't really prepare you for this. I don't usually um, have anyone meet either of my parents. Don't worry, it'll be fine. They mentioned relation to the general. Oh, that's my mother. Ooh. Yeah, I think you'll get to meet her at some point. She sort of is in charge of, you know, the military here in Orenthal. So we make our way in. Walking in, you find a very pristine shop actually everything is extremely well kept the counter on the other side is you see like several knives kind of along the back row and it is all like in its proper place a few people are in the shop you know seeming to be waiting and you can see on the other side of this counter a high elf man waist length silver hair gray eyes just under six feet pretty athletic and as you see him work and take uh lack of a better term a big hunk of meat in a few swift motions, he starts slicing it with such precision that it takes seconds before he has divided this into cuts of beef. And you see him start to put it together and place it on the counter and make some exchanges. But as he turns, he looks over at all of you and a big smile comes on his face. Belinda. I'm back in town and I brought some friends. You see he nods slightly. He kind of finishes up with the the last couple of customers that are currently there. Takes a moment to clean the blade and put it back up and cleans the station. Would you like anything, Belinda? Would you and your friends? It is good to have you back in town. Yes, I hadn't realized we were returning on a festival day, so it is a bit overwhelming. We're trying to avoid the Regent Seat District. There will always be people who want to show off how skilled they are. They enjoy their games, and it is quite fun to watch sometimes. We'll definitely still be in town. I mean, we have some business, as you would expect. And what uh, what sort of business do you have in town? Well, we're taking Ellen here to the to the Temple of Adar. Very good. You see him kind of reach behind the counter and pulls out a little bit of meat, which he just looks at for a second and thinks, kind of goes around back, and you can kind of hear a fire going, and he seems to toss something on. He comes back out. I have some food going. If the rest of you are hungry, I can prepare something very quickly. Sorry, I... I've been so distracted with the festival. Uh, this is Scrivener Whitecliff. Roland Salavram. Balen Blackwater. It's an absolute pleasure. Kiva Khonshu. Hi, Kiva. Nice to meet you. He shakes your hand. Sorry, this is Zolas. Ah. Might be what our business is about. Zolas, huh? Very well. A pleasure to meet you. And Ellen is mentioned before. Please. I have no customers right now. It seems most people want to watch others beat themselves up. I have some food going for a moment if you are all hungry and we can sit and catch up for a bit. That'd be lovely. I'm sure you are quite busy, but I would like to hear stories of your travels. I trust you've been well. Business has been good. Keeping up all of my usual standards. Smiles a little bit. Hardly anyone can keep up with your standards. And this is why I'm still in business. Please, all of you. There's a few seats and it kind of points to, to a fork one over there that you can take. I will bring some food out in just a moment and we can sit and talk. That would be lovely. And that is where we're going to leave this episode for today. Thank you all for listening. Please share this with your friends and follow us on Twitter at Rules As Written or check out our website, dndraw.com. And feel free to email any questions to the DM at dm at dndraw.com. Also subscribe and leave us a review or comment anywhere podcasts are found. And please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.